here's the paradox of rock and roll. As much as it boasts of rebellion and counterculture, as soon as blues stopped being blues and started being rock and roll, it became the music of the man. Whatever pure intention the acts may have, they get recruited, developed, and sold by music labels, performed as advertisements for, well, their own music, but also mayonnaise, cruise ships, cell phones. Of course, it doesn't feel that way when you're a teenager. To a 16 and 17 year old, rock and roll feels like the most pure, most untamable art imaginable. So that even as we mellow into the sellouts that adulthood makes of us all, we still long for that feeling of possibility we had when listening to the music of our youth. And so, rock music is always nostalgic, always a bit sad. I don't know if it's intentional, but George Armitage's Hot Rod captures that paradox. A made-for-TV movie from 1979, Hot Rod has almost no plot. James Gunn regular Greg Henry plays Brian Edison, a drifter who comes to a small California town to participate in the drag racing nationals, where he runs afoul of local businessman T.L. Munn, played by Robert Culp. Culp wants his boy Sonny, played by Grant Goody, to win the race, and is willing to use the cops on his payroll to hassle Brian out of town. But with the help of Sonny's ex-girlfriend, a mechanic buddy, and a hippie farmer, played by Ed Bagley Jr., Brian's able to stay in the race and, yes, win. That's a real simple stick-it-to-the-man story, but there's a sad sense of nostalgia to the entire thing, beginning with its soundtrack. All the music here is late 50s, early 60s bebop, played by DJ Johnny Hurricane, character actor Royce D. Applegate. In an over-the-top radio voice, Johnny growls about the power of pure old music and how rock and roll will never die. But whenever Brian gets into trouble, he's happy to capitulate the mun into the cops. At the end of the day, Hurricane doesn't want to blow anything over or raise any storms. He just wants to be left alone to fantasize about how powerful rock music is in his memory. So, did Hot Rod make us want to rev our hemi and leave the man in the dust? Or did it leave us bopping from the corner to our favorite oldies hits? Find out on this episode of So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank. everybody to so gross such point much blank the only gross point blank podcast once again still have not checked up on that claim maybe next time i'm one of your hosts blake collier and with me the insatiable joe george we're kicking the tires and lighting the fires this week as we talk about armitage's 1979 ode to the hot rod culture of california hot rod starring the one and only greg henry and the role that probably got him noticed by no one how's it hanging (laughs) joe (laughs) <laughs> oh i'm 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 bopping over here to these to these old-timey hits <laughs> and realizing i know nothing about cars you know anything about cars blake uh i know how to change oil okay that's about that's, it that's impressive <laughs> i also know how to change oil you take it to the local oil change <laughs> place you pay them thirty dollars 
and then about 15 minutes later, your oil has changed. Oh, so thirty dollars, man! I have to pay seventy. Whoa, great, <laughs> Scott! I do know how to change oil better than you. Then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no doubt, it's 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 one of the things that whenever you uh, you finally give up the old pickup truck and you go to to a sedan, you end up having <laughs> you're not able to get under the car anymore. <laughs> So I can't I was quite never change my able oil. to get into the car. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, so I, okay. So you know what you're doing a little bit. So uh, did did the reason. hot rods car culture speak to you at all? Oh, no, not at all. So no. I, I I know I know the basics of of how to how to deal with a car. Uh, okay. Like, and we're talking the basics, like changing tires, doing oil. I can tell you certain parts of the engine, but I don't know what to do with them. So okay, okay, <laughs> and so. Uh, that's partly because I have a what my my absolute best friend is is car savvy. Uh, oh, okay. And so he's actually the one who got me into uh, Gross Point Blank in the first place because oh. he was a big gun nut, and uh, oh. we used to we used to live in the world of uh, counting, uh, watching movies, and seeing how accurate they were on their on their, their use of guns. Uh, I had a friend like that too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, no, he he taught me what little I uh, I was able to uh, to attain in my life. Okay, uh, so. Uh, okay. my, my dad taught me the basics, you know, changing tires, things like that. Whenever he was teaching me how to drive a car, but that's about it. So my, okay. I, I know nothing about drag racing. I know nothing about heart rods. <laughs> uh, I, I have maybe a couple of cars I think are just absolutely stunning, but okay. that's about it. <laughs> okay. So did hot ride resonate with you at all? What do you think of this movie? So I hot rod is one of those films that I didn't hate myself for watching it. Okay. But I wouldn't like here in about a year. I'm probably gonna forget I ever saw it. So it's it's just <laughs> it's just there in my opinion. Okay. Um. Okay. I didn't I didn't hate the experience, and right. I really and and I like Greg Henry. Um. I keep wanting yeah. to say Clark Greg, but <laughs> I, I keep doing the same <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> thing. It's gonna happen. Yeah. It's gonna no, happen it's, in this episode. It is. It is. So... After our Jan de Bond, Jan Michael Vincent <laughs> flub <laughs> exactly. in the last episode. Yeah. The... Yeah. The Vigilante Wars episode. Yep. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So, but yeah, I, I, I love Greg Henry as an actor. Uh, he's one of those. Yeah, once again, really we, we find uh, an actor that gets, you know, starring title in an Armitage film yep. who goes on to be just a great character actor uh, in yeah. later films. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I enjoyed myself. Like I, I enjoyed, enjoyed the film uh, for a TV yeah. film. I thought it was, you know, fairly, fairly well yeah. made and, and, and enjoyable, but <laughs> I just don't think it's it's ever going to stick with me on any kind of level. Uh, and it's partly because nothing, no part of the film connected with me. Like Vigilante yeah. Force, I have, you know, history with that kind of film, watching like, uh, you know, your typical revenge canon films. Yeah. So I had something to kind of latch on to there. Sure. Nothing about this. I don't, I've never liked TV movies. Even, even oh. today, like there are elements of TV movies that I think, unless they're on like HBO or something like that. Yeah. They lack something that sure. that you know uh, mainstream films do, or that ha- they have, and so, um, yeah, it, it it just was there, and yeah, and that's okay. <laughs> so you know, it's funny that you say that it won't stick with you because okay, uh, peek behind the curtain for the listeners. There's been what like six weeks, maybe two months since the last time we recorded, uh, yeah. uh, had a recording session. So, uh, mostly on my end, uh. But, you know, I watched all of these and then we planned to to, to record uh, episodes on it and then mm-hmm. a length of time came through. So yesterday as I'm going through my notes, I realized I don't really remember what happened to the hot rod. <laughs> and so I rewatched it yesterday. Nice. And I have this to report. 
not much happens in Hot Rod. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered perfectly what happened in Hot Rod, and it's not much of anything. Yeah. It's it's kind of the description I just gave that that uh, uh, Greg Henry comes into town to race. He gets hassled by the cops. He hassles the uh, the, the businessman. Lots of shots of him driving. Mm-hmm. Lots of shots of him sitting in the car. Lots of shots of Johnny Hurricane playing music and pouting. And that's kind of it for the yeah. entire runtime. So I'm kind of the same way. Like after I finished it, I was like, you know, I like that movie. That was a yeah. good movie. And then it immediately left, left. my brain. Yep. It goes down easy, but mm-hmm. then it goes away easy. <laughs> it does. Yeah. And and I think I think it can, those kind of films can be done effectively. I mean, look at Dazed and Confused. Look at sure. The Last Picture Show where they just linger. That's the whole point of the movies. They linger on characters. Sure. And that's fine. Like good movies can be made that can, that are memorable. Yeah. Oh yeah. But for whatever reason, and and it may just be the fact that Armitage didn't have a budget or he didn't have the, the, the talent he wanted or, or whatever it might've been. Yeah. uh, This one just, it wanted to be that film. It just couldn't quite pull it off. None of the characters had any internal conflict outside of the, your main conflict of the film, which is, yeah. you know, Greg Henry versus the man, the the root beer shop owner, which is yeah, that's hilarious. The thing that we, I, I've been holding that bit. We need to make that clear. <laughs> yeah. The man owns the root beer shop, and yeah. that's yep. I, I can't describe the root beer shop runs the city. Like everybody <laughs> is drinking root beer, yep. and that is the key to power in this town. Yes. It's it's. <laughs> And it's not a joke. It's played completely straight yep. that that the, the town gathers. Or the, the guy who wants to use root beer to take over the root beer markets of beyond the 11 uh, uh, Western states. Yeah. He has so much power that he runs everything in the town. He can yeah. destroy people on root beer money. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm sorry I cut you off. But I <laughs> no, no, to no. Make that clear. No, for sure. He's a root beer owner. Munn's root beer is the big bad guy yeah, of this film. Exactly. <laughs> if Armitage wanted a, an actor to subvert the character itself in his acting, Culp yeah. is the wrong guy to do it. He's totally Culp the wrong has guy. never been able to pull that off. <laughs> no. He's always been your straight, like, this is this is what you do, and he'll yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. He, he's yep. your travel, he's your, he's your journeyman uh, actor. The collar on his laser suit was doing some oh, real work, though. Dude, I, I got to give him credit for that. Like that was some that was some staying alive uh, <laughs> era alive. stuff. Right there. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I. I mean, the fact that like it, so here here's more of a philosophical question, I guess you could okay. say. Is there a place for films that are enjoyable in the moment but easily forgettable? Like, is there what is the place for those films? Oh, yes. Yes. There is a place for those. Um, they are, you know, the, that is going, going back to TV movies. That is the ideal TV movie Mm -hmm. or the ideal Netflix movie in in our, uh, our time. The ideal Netflix movie is a movie that, uh, you can fold your socks while watching. It can be on in the background and enough things are going to happen that you'll look up and you're like, oh, that's a thing. Yeah. But you don't actually have to pay attention to yep. that. And this is a precursor to that. You mm-hmm. can look up at any time and be like, oh, uh, uh, Henry's 
uh, fighting with uh, Mun, the root beer guy, or, hey, there's a drag race, or, oh, I like this song. Yeah. But if you actually sit down and watch it, it's just that over and over and mm-hmm. over again. There's no real plot trajectory. No. And so, sure, there's a place for background movies. That's fine. Um I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to after you go, though, I'm going to twist you with a, a higher philosophical because I oh. actually think there's more going on with this um, than than just that. But you answer the question is, is there a place for these types of movies? Oh, well, yeah, I definitely think there is uh, mainly because I who knows. So here's here's the problem is like I I theoretically believe that there's a place for these movies, but all uh-huh. these movies that would fit that category are the ones I remember. <laughs> and so so the paradox yeah the paradox um i mean there there are plenty of movies that i i love uh and and enjoy watching that for other people would be forgettable the replacements just for an example oh i my. think it's, I, I love it it is okay. dumb as hell uh okay. but i i laugh every single time and okay I will I will stand uh, Keanu Reeves till the end of time. So oh, sure, <laughs> um, but there's I think a lot of it deals with how it how it ends up coming into your existence. What time period? Yes, because a lot of those movies that I remember that are are because I was in a time period of my life where I was either building my identity of who I was going to become. Uh, or I was in a special, like a realm of friendship, like relationship community that was important to me. And these yeah. are the movies we watched together or something that basically brings the film into my existence and makes me remember it for what it is. Yeah. Um, there I'm, I'm old enough at this point to where a lot of the, that time period is gone. Uh, yeah. that kind of formation element. And so films, unless they're, like good according to me yeah those are the only ones here are going to stick with me and there's not much community that's going to revolve around you know films like this where they're good in the moment yeah but you know for for me uh it's not going to stick for others they might have like they might have hit the right time uh to watch this and it just but the other thing for me and and this i'm hoping i'm not stealing your thunder here no, you're um, setting it up perfectly. Keep okay. going. But here's the here's the thing is that if this movie had come before Vigilante Force, I think I would have liked it better. Ooh. Okay, how so? Because I feel like everything that goes on in Hot Rod is a complete reversal of everything that happens in Vigilante Force. Okay, lay that down. So for me, I think this is just pure nostalgia. Yes. Yep. With no subversion. It's playing it completely straight. None of the characters have any kind of uh, complexity outside of uh, maybe just, you know, voiced in their dialogue. Yeah. But nothing is actually shown on how they act. And so when you look at Vigilante Force, you, you see a genre and stereotypes that are subverted because of, you know, the, the characterizations or the plot device or, or things like this, whereas Hot Rod is just so straight and so nostalgic mm-hmm. that all we really care about is, oh, we really like that song. We really like yeah. 50s culture. We really yeah. like Hot Rods. That's the problem with nostalgia is if there's nothing more to it, yeah. then it's just cotton candy. Like yeah. it's it's sweet to the, t- to the taste and then it dissolves within seconds. And so 
is it cotton candy or is it a root beer float? Because (laughs) (laughs) that's a, that's a good question (laughs) because I think this movie knows that Mm -hmm. I, I think find this movie incredibly sad. Um, and and so I agree with exactly what you're saying that, um, there's a community around movies like this and movements like this. You and I are not in it. Yeah, we are. (laughs) And I, and I think that's part of what's going on here is that this movie is made for people who grew up in late fifties, early sixties. They were teens then. And in 1979, you know, they got the mortgage, they got the kids there that that's behind them. And so they sit down to watch this movie to kind of remember the good times and, and maybe fantasize that if things had gone just a little bit different, I could be, I could be Greg Henry's character. You know, I could be out there, uh, racing. And that's partially why the conflict is so simple to the point that it's laughable that a root beer magnate is the thing that's controlling the town. And we just need, we can defeat him via racing. Yeah. You Uh, you could stop at root beer magnate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) But especially the second time I watched it, if you pay attention to the Johnny hurricane character, the, the, the DJ, Mm -hmm. I think that's where the critiques happening because like I said, he's, He's constantly talking about how rock and roll will never die. And there's this hilariously weird scene where there's a showing for the Nationals happening at the main root beer stand. Um, And Munn's out there doing promotion stuff. And uh, Hurricane's there in his car uh, broadcasting. Mm -hmm. And he says something about how, you know, rock and roll never die. Rock and roll stand. It will stand. That's his his phrase. He keeps going back to. And then he says something like honk your horns if you love rock and roll. And so people start honking their horns. Mm -hmm. And at first it feels like he's doing something subversive because TL Munn's recording a commercial. Um, and the horns are getting in the way of it. But then Munn comes up and, threatens him and says, you know, knock it off and you got to do what I'm saying. And if you like your job and if you're going to be on my property, you do what you say. And Hurricane, despite the name, immediately capitulates. And there's this weird thing where he's like saying, if you love rock and roll, stop toot tooting your horn. Um, And he comes off as this utterly impotent character. And Mm -hmm. it's – it's utterly laughable to watch him switch from his, yeah, man, rock and roll voice that he keeps mm-hmm. this over the top radio voice that he keeps doing. And then to see him cower and ride away, there's a part where he and Henry's character are, are, are in a car that gets hassled by the cops and ends up getting wrecked. And immediately he's like, Hey, can, I'm just a friendly passenger. Can I get a ride with you, Sheriff? <laughs> and so all of that I think is undercutting the, the, the nostalgia that's happening in yeah. the in the movie that if you're watching this saying I could be that guy, the hurricane plot is saying, no, you couldn't because that never really existed. Yeah, you there was never anything actually rebellious about any of this stuff that we're doing. <laughs> yeah. It was all the feeling of rebellion, but we will all capitulate. We're mm-hmm. not actually making any sort of change. We're playing in with this thing and this is all a fantasy. And I and I, I don't know if this registered as well for 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 you as it did for me but at least initially i kind of felt like this movie took place in the 50s but it doesn't it takes place in 1979 and so hurricane keeps saying these songs i'm playing they're oldies then in 1979 they're already oldies like that moment has already passed 
and everything mm-hmm. has moved on and it's done nothing. Yeah. There's there's a real impotence to the rebellion that's happening here that I think is actually kind of smart, as it, it, easy yeah. as this is. I think this is a subversion of a nostalgic, ignore it movie, even as it's trying to be yeah. <laughs> nostalgic movie and i think that's a good point i i i think i think for me i didn't pay as much attention to the hurricane character simply because he felt kind of just there um yeah. he he was a side character um yeah. i was i was paying attention to greg henry which you could make a case that greg henry's character is kind of your typical floater uh, oh yeah the character from you know films like usually b films of the 1970s like yeah uh Vanishing Point and and uh, yeah. Blacktop, uh, Two Lane Blacktop and mm-hmm. things like that is he's playing this romantic ideal of yeah. a person who doesn't who doesn't capitulate like Hurricane does, who yeah. who will fight the man and ultimately he's just going to be a loner his whole life yeah. because of it. He his road is his his family and that's yeah. it. And to to be honest, the the story I wanted to see more of is uh the ed begley jr family story isn't it weird yeah. yeah um because i actually i kind of like that storyline you know the the loner comes to town and befriends the son of of this family yeah and they're Lefty. getting they're getting kicked out because of the of the the root beer magnate <laughs> yeah. and and really that's that's an area of critique that i think the film could have really hit upon this idea yeah. that you know the big corporate uh, entity comes in and, and starts, you know, uh, shutting down, you know, the smaller, you know, smaller businesses, which yeah. is, I mean, the time we're taping this, I just started Stranger Stranger Things three, and okay. there's that kind of element playing on on the season. So that's that's an that's always going to be an interesting kind of plot point to to yeah. to dig into, but they don't really do much with it. Uh, they, no. they they play Ed Begley's family as kind of just your kind uh, town folk. Yep who accept uh, him into their kind of uh, family. Yeah. And the boy is his little partner. And yep. and it's a nice little relationship, but they don't do anything with it. And so yeah. I actually found that fascinating. And I wanted to see more of Ed Bigley Jr. because I think he's generally pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and he's not funny at all. Here. No, he's not. He's, <laughs> he, he's That's the straightest I've ever play, seen him yep. play. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I there there's just... I think the problem for me is that while while I I can definitely see uh, what you're reading on that, and I think it's actually a really good point. I think there were just side stories that were more interesting than the central story uh, that had that had <laughs> potential. Well um, actually, if they had made Hurricane the main character, that would have even been a fascinating kind of just seeing him sure. come, reckon with his own like identity as far as being this this nostalgic lover of of all these hits. And this idea that rock and roll never dies, but it does. Yeah. <laughs> All types of music die eventually. Yeah. It's, 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 that's culture. Like that's what happens. Yeah. yeah. And so having him reckon with himself in that space would have been fascinating. Yeah. I'm just not sure that, that anyone besides you, you and I are going to see <laughs> that <laughs> in the film. Yeah. So, because at the end of the day, it is a movie that just, was intended to air what yeah. once or twice. Yeah, and maybe. Yeah. Nobody is going to record it because that wasn't really a technology yet at the time, yep. and it was just going to fill time. It, that's exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, at the same time, I was watching it. I sat yep. there and I watched the whole thing. <laughs> I watched and it I twice, did, and and I didn't ha- I didn't hate myself. 
the whole time. Yeah. So, yeah. so what, 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 what worked for you? What, what parts kept you watching besides the fact that you, you kind of signed up to watch it Yeah. <laughs> for this podcast? Um, for in general, like I think it's those kind of narratives where, where you're fighting the big, the big guy, uh, mm-hmm. you're fighting the man. Those are always going to work on some level, yeah. regardless of how well they're done. Sure. I chuckled a lot whenever they were uh, fixing the cars up to where they wouldn't, you know, they, they were flattening the tires and things like that yeah. on, on his son's cars. But I think there was just kind of that go along fun of, of kind of that uh, almost chuckle worthy antics that happened throughout yeah. the film. It was fun. Like there, there was enough uh, camaraderie and, and chemistry between the characters that, you could yeah. watch it and you're like, you would get a, you get a laugh out of it and, yeah. and enjoy what it, what they're trying to do there. And you enjoy the fact that the man's getting what he deserves. <laughs> yeah. And so it's in, in a very, in a very shallow way, films that deal with the little man overcoming the big man are always yeah. going to work on some yeah, level. Totally. And so, because you just don't see that in real life. And so <laughs> there's an element of that escapism that, yeah is cathartic yeah you know especially for i mean i'm i can't say anything because i'm i'm fairly blessed as far as you know my job and things like that but yeah i would imagine like just being a being a minority or someone on the like the, the outsides of of society seeing stories like that is 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 really cathartic uh yeah. because they see oh this actually could happen like yeah in a, in a perfect world this could happen so I, I just think those stories will always work and, and it worked this time and it'll work the next time. And it's how, what, how effective the making of that story and how nuanced it becomes is going to be what I remember. Uh, yeah. And so this one, while I appreciate uh, your, your take on it and I appreciate <laughs> Armitage in general, this is probably the, the film that is going to be the most easily forgotten for me. Yeah. But not my least favorite. <laughs> yeah, yep. I, so, I totally get that. Yeah. So, um, I, I think there are. I think there's. I think Private Duty Nurses is is the one that I will. I, I don't remember how I placed it, but I think it's my last. And it's it's one I'm going to remember not liking, as opposed to yeah. just not remembering. <laughs> so, yep. Yep. So, yeah, it's. That's... That's that's really the the really the core of it for me. Like, what yeah. what do you think struck you about the the tone of the film or or the film itself that made you enjoy it for the the time the two times you watched it? Oh, you, you know, um, the the to- I like the music. The music was good. Yeah. I like all those songs. Mm-hmm. Henry is just magnetic. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he, he's he not is. really doing. I mean, there's nothing. There's no meat on that character, like yeah. you said. He is just the romantic loner, mm-hmm. but man, when he's on screen, he's just—he's yeah. a good-looking man, and he's mm-hmm. he, he even when he's just kind of smirking to the side, it's yeah. the guy holds the camera. That's well, smirk, like, that smirk is amazing, though. Yeah, it's great, <laughs> and you know, and he's a guy that I, I know through James Gunn movies. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I think Slither is the first time I remember seeing him, yeah. where he is an utter scumbag yeah. in that movie, and so to see him play somebody so breezily charming yeah. is uh, is I, I was surprised at how well that worked, and so I could care less about or couldn't care less rather about drag racing, um, and I. Again, I got I'm ignorant about cars. That, that world does not interest me at all. Yeah. But darn it if I didn't enjoy every time the cop pulled him over and he had a <laughs> he had a one liner. So yeah. 
you know, I gave the movie three stars on Letterboxd, and I and I still kind of stand by that. But yeah. I think you're, you're you're exactly right that I will not remember this one. Yeah. I will remember parts from Hitman and Private Duty Nurses, which I liked less than this. Yeah, uh, those are going to stick with me a lot more mm-hmm. than, than this one, which is ultimately a pleasant pleasant diversion. I think there's more going on there, but uh, <laughs> ironically, the the, the more going on is this is really diverting and you're misremembering. So yeah, exactly by forgetting, yeah. I'm kind of doing the, the, the thing that the thing. movie's doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is fascinating in and of itself. Like that's a, that's a fascinating take is that the act of watching the film is ultimately going to lead you to what the film was, uh, at least on some level trying to, to attain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, for sure. Was that all you had? Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> like I said right before we started recording, there's not much going yeah. on with this one. So yeah. I don't know how. Maybe if you know we really want to torture ourselves one day, we're gonna do the first minute by minute hot rod podcast. Oh, where it'll be like, in this minute, the car goes. <laughs> in this minute, the car goes further. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot. We we can only hope that we, that we get to that point. <laughs> Where we're yeah. we're living gold off of this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's all for so gross, such point, much blank this week. We have been your hosts, Blake Collier and Joe George. Next week, we will continue on with our minute by minute exploration of gross point blank. Subscribe to our show so you don't miss an episode. Remember, this podcast is us breathing. Thank you for listening. If you like what we do, head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review. Every bit of feedback gives us the ability to expand our audience. Our podcast theme was created by Jans. You can find his music and other projects at jansofficial.com. Our podcast intro music was Paradise Engineering Instrumental by Yacht. Our podcast outro music was created by Jeff Hansen. Our podcast artwork was created by Jeff Weirich. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash so gross pod, that's gross with E, and on Twitter and Instagram at so gross pod as well. And you can find Blake on Twitter at lost in osmosis and Joe at JA George II, spelled I I. Hey, bing, 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 bang. Popcorn. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs>